sports fans betters and cappers and welcome to the daily competitive hedge podcast i'm your host of the show kenneth cotterell and thank you all for joining me here today this show is all about sports and the world of betting we talk about results from yesterday's games and wagers before we dive into today's betting plays and if you're listening to the podcast episode on spotify or apple we are also joined by rob cruz and chris powell from the Commanders in the Chat podcast to talk about the Washington Commanders in our NFL team preview. But our episode today is brought to you by our sponsor, Bet99. Bet99 is a Canadian sportsbook and casino that offers in-play betting, player props, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports to bet on on the website, including MLB and EPL, which is going to be our main focus today as we've been doing well on the soccer front. Uh, Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile and can be downloaded from the homepage of their website. Now, depositing and withdrawing funds is hassle-free with a number of well-known methods available to use so you know your money is safe and secure. The website can be viewed in both English and French and their customer service option is available 24-7 with their live chat option. So go to bet99.com to make an account. Use promo code SHOOTERS. To get started, please gamble responsibly. You must be 19 plus years of age to do so. Now, let's talk about yesterday's betting recap. All footy plays yesterday, and it was a profitable day for the show. Uh, On the EPL front, we had a couple of solid results. We had the Crystal Palace and Brentford, both teams to score at minus 118. Looked a bit dire as it was 0-0 at halftime. Then you had Crystal Palace head William Zaha score in the 59th minute. And then in the 88th minute, Wissa comes through to score for Brentford. 1-1 was the final there, and we cashed that play. We also had Fulham draw no bet versus Brighton. Felt like a letdown spot for Brighton, and we were very fortunate with that one. Uh, Fulham took the 2-0 lead in the second half. Uh, Brighton, they answered with a McAllister PK in the 60th minute, and then Fulham was able to hold on for the full result. So plus 128 caches. Chelsea minus one should have been plus one yesterday because then it would have been a push because Southampton wins outright. Chelsea went up 1-0 early and then Lavia and Armstrong scored in the 28th and 45th minute. And unfortunately, Chelsea, they fall yesterday. I mean, I shouldn't say unfortunately. I I hate Chelsea, but from a betting perspective, it's unfortunate. Uh, Sheffield United and Reading, we had both teams to score at minus 106. Sheffield United wins 4-0, just a dominant win. Reading didn't really create many chances in that one. And then to cap it off, we had Roma first half money line versus Monza. We were right on this one. A good, comfortable victory. Dybala scored twice in the first half. And Ibanza, Iban, Ibanez sorry, scored in the 61st in order to secure the result for Roma. Now let's talk about other results. Uh, MLB-wise, Cleveland beat Baltimore 5-1. to This wasn't an official play for us, but it was a lean that we liked. 
Cal Quantrill, six innings pitched, four Ks. Another solid performance by him. And Josh Naylor hit a two-run home run in the bottom of the fourth that was enough for Cleveland to win that game. Then the Reds, they win 5-1 to one over St. Louis. Derek Law picks up the W there. And an Austin Roman two-run home run in the bottom of the third was all they needed in order to win that game. Tampa Bay 7-2 to two over the Marlins. McClanahan, he got pulled last minute. Uh, if you're in fantasy baseball playoffs, then you were probably pretty rattled given how well he's pitched this year. But they led 5-0 after 5 and never looked back, so the Rays pick up a W there. Then you had the A's win 10-6 over the Nationals. Cole Irvin, he went five and a third with six Ks, and Sean Murphy hit a fifth inning grand slam that was enough for them to pull off the victory there. Toronto won five to three over the Cubs. This was another early lean that we liked. It was we liked over seven. It even moved to seven and a half. So you still would have cashed if you took the over there. And Kevin Gossman, he went six innings with nine Ks, and the Jays got home runs from Teosco Hernandez and Vladdy Guerrero in order to win there. Seattle 9-3 over Detroit. George Kirby had a 5-5, five and five, five innings, 5 Ks. And Ty France and Cal Raleigh both hit home runs early for Seattle. Then you had the Dodgers. They won 4-3 over the Mets. It was a Gavin Lux bottom of the seventh single that drove in Freddie Freeman to edge the Mets there. Colorado won 3-2 over Atlanta. Jose Urena had 6 Ks and CJ Crone had 2 RBIs for the Rockies. Then you had the Twins won 10-5 over Boston. Houston won 4-2 over Texas. Framber Valdez, 8 innings, 8 Ks, and Altuve hit a home run as well. Then you had the Royals 9-7 over the White Sox. Nick Prado hit two home runs and drove in another, and Salvador Perez also went yard for the Royals. Then you had the Yankees 7-4 over the Angels. Aaron Judge hit his 51st home run of the year, and he also got other home runs from Rizzo and Betatendi. Then you had Arizona 12-3 over Philly. Zach Gallen, seven innings, seven Ks. The Diamondbacks led nine to nothing and never looked back. And then the Padres win four to three over the Giants. This is why we stayed away from the Giants yesterday. Didn't love Snell on the road, but he pitched really well. Six innings, eight Ks. Trent Grisham hit a two-run home run for the Padres to seal it there. And then in other news, Manchester United, my team goes out and signed Anthony from Ajax on a $100 million deal. I mean, let's face it, it's an overpay for a 22-year-old winger, but he played at Ajax not only with Ten Hag, but also Martinez at the back. So with Martial getting hurt on the weekend, he had an Achilles issue. They needed to make a signing on the wing. They've been not very creative in their chances so far this year, and it can't just be on Jaden Sancho in order to do it. So Anthony will be a nice addition. We'll see how well he fits into that lineup. Likely won't be ready for that Leicester game but could be ready for the weekend uh, as they take on Arsenal. Now, let's talk about today's results, or today's games, I should say. Uh, pretty loaded slate as we've got WNBA. Connecticut Sun, they're plus 155 versus the Chicago Sky, who are minus 4.5 today. Uh, they lost game one after a phenomenal performance by Candace Parker. Let's see if the Chicago Sky, who are the defending WNBA champs, can answer tonight. And then the Vegas Aces, they're up minus six favorites tonight against Seattle. They fell in game one, but Audra Wilson did not play well. She was just announced Defensive Player of the Year. They also have uh, the most improved player in the WNBA as well on their roster. They've got Kelsey Plum. They've got Chelsea Gray. This is a good team. We'll see if my Vegas Aces can answer tonight. If not, they fall behind 2-0, and they're going to be in trouble. Now, 
from a MLB perspective, once again, we're not betting any MLB today. Uh, just bad mojo right now. Definitely want to focus more so on the footy plays. So we'll give you guys some of the some of the key matchups that we're looking at today that we like. Um, overall, I like the Padres today. They got Musgrove going up against Alex Wood. But this is why we're not betting it. We got we would have got burned twice in a row with the Giants. Don't plan on going Padres today and then having them come back. So I do like Musgrove a lot, though. He's got a 2.97 ERA. We're just fading that play overall. I also like the Orioles and Guardians. I like the under eight there. Just the way that John Lyles and Tristan McKenzie have pitched lately. I think at least one of them is going to pitch really well. And so I see that game finishing in the four to two or even three to two type range. So I would take the under eight there in that game. Uh, I also, <laughs> I like the over eight and a half in the A's and Nationals, but given how bad these teams are and the fact that they just scored 16 runs last night, I would bet it, you know, maybe with a grain of salt, uh, maybe even fade it altogether. This is just a personal play that I like. I don't like Capriel and, and I don't like Sanchez. So I think one of them's going to get lit up and, and the over eight and a half is definitely in play. And then the final play that I like today, I do like the Twins money line once again against Boston. Twins are at home. They've got Ryan on the mound. And so they're going up against Waka. I think that the Twins pull out the victory today there. Uh, if we're talking English Championship Soccer today, you got Bristol City and Huddersfield Town. You got Coventry City and Preston North End. You got Stoke and Swansea, Sunderland and Rottingham, Rotterham United, and then Blackpool versus Blackpool Rovers. So overall, I uh, let's focus more so on that EPL slate because that's where we've been, uh, let's say, hot as far as betting plays go because all of our plays today come from the EPL slate. So let's start with As Arsenal and Aston Villa. Villa, they just lost to West Ham on the weekend, a team that was winless going into that game but had a lot of expectations coming into the year. So it's a result that Villa should have gone out and got a point at minimum and they did not. Now they're taking on Arsenal, who are coming off a big come from behind victory over Fulham. They led with, or they were trailed with 30 minutes to go in that game. And then Arsenal was able to pull out the result two to nil or two to one. So I like our Aston Villa double chance versus Arsenal today at plus 145. I cannot see Arsenal being perfect through five matches. I know how good they've looked, I know they've had some come from behind wins. They haven't played the toughest schedule out of the gate either. That needs to be pointed out. I think Villa is going to find a way to get a result here. I'm not saying that they're going to win the game outright, but I do think that they can pick up the draw here. So getting the double chance there at plus 145, I love the value. Uh, Villa needs to pick up some results as they're hovering around that relegation spot early on in the season. Arsenal might be looking to the weekend as they take on United, and so that's why I like Aston Villa to pick up a result. Then you've got the two bottom teams in Bournemouth and Wolves. They're 18th and 19th in the standings. Bournemouth coming off a 9-0 loss to Liverpool, while Wolves drew over the weekend against Newcastle. Now, I like Bournemouth double chance today at minus 150. Bournemouth just fired their manager. They fired him because he lost 4-0 to City and 9-0 to Liverpool, so they weren't even competitive in those games. But they have picked up a victory already this year over a good side. They just had two ugly results versus elite teams. So I don't want to overreact here. I still don't like Bournemouth as a whole. I think they're going to be one of the relegation sides, but I'm not high on Wolves either. So 
The fact that I can get Bournemouth at home to just pick up a point at minus 150, I love that value. I still don't think Wolves are very good. And so I'm going to take the Bournemouth uh, double chance versus Wolves at minus 150. Then you've got Man City and Nottingham Forest today. City, let's face it, they're still title favorites. They're sitting in second place right now. They were down 2-0 to Palace at halftime and came back to win 4-2. And then you've got Nottingham coming off their 2-0 loss to Tottenham Hotspurs. So this is a pretty easy one for me. I think Man City, they're going to coast in this game. Um, I'm not going to take their spread in the first half, but I am going to take over one and a half goals here at minus 134. Just in the off chance that Nottingham figures out a way to score one as well. Uh, I don't want to have the spread there. So City, they're coming off that high scoring game with Palace. They are at home. I think City's going to try and take chances early. They want to put this game away early if they can, given they have uh, games on the weekend and then Champions League next week. So I think City, they take early chances. They're leading 2-0 at halftime, maybe even 3-0. And then we see this game in the second half. Guys like Grealish come on if they don't start in order to replace some of their players. Then you've got West Ham and Tottenham. West Ham, they're 17th in the table, coming off that big win over Villa. But Tottenham also picked up a victory on the weekend over Nottingham Forest. This is kind of upset day for me, and I find that a lot of these midweek matches are where you can get these upsets. And So I'm taking West Ham double chance at minus 134. West Ham at home. Tottenham has Champions League next week as well. They've got a big matchup on the weekend. And so with Fulham, uh, with West Ham being at home, I just think that this is a really good side uh, that's going to start picking up points. So I'm, I'm betting on the Hammers to pick up at least a point, if not all three today, in an upset over Tottenham. And at minus 134, I love the value. And then you've got Liverpool and Newcastle. Liverpool 12th, Newcastle 10th. Don't see that being the case when the season's over. Newcastle picked up a draw. Liverpool coming off the 9-0 victory. So we're banking on Liverpool to score early once again, given they are at Anfield. So I'm taking the first half money line at minus 150. Now, the only thing that worries me here is that they do have Everton over the weekend. Not that Everton's a great side, but it is a mer- uh, a Derby game, and so they're going to be getting up for that one. I'm hoping that they don't overlook Newcastle and that they score early. They take the lead into the second half and pick up the three points. So rolling with Liverpool first half money line at minus 150 as our final play of the day. But as I said at the start of the show, thank you everyone who tunes in every single day uh, and stay tuned for the Washington football team slash commander show because we recap last year and look forward to this year with that Washington Commanders side, with Rob Cruz and Chris Powell from the Commanders in the Chat podcast. Welcome back to the Competitive Hedge podcast. It is August 31st, which means it is our 31st NFL team preview. We can see the finish line. We just got to get over it here in the next couple of days. And so uh, yesterday's episode, we talked all about the San Francisco 49ers. Shout out to our guest, Pat Graham, yesterday. Talked a lot about the Lance versus Jimmy debate, which has been a, a big talking point for their offseason. Now, today, given it is our second last team preview, we're going to be discussing a team for my division, the Dallas Cowboys division, one that missed the playoffs a year ago, but they have playoff aspirations this year. They have a new name this year as well, so I'm going to try not to get mixed up in the football team commander's uh, issues here. So I'm joined here tonight by these guys host the Commanders in the Chat podcast. They also have their own solo shows as well. So I'm first going to introduce Couch Coach Live, 
Couch, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, man. What's what's going on, Ken? <laughs> I'm I'm excited to have you guys on. And I not just saying that because I think Dallas is the better team this year, but also because I love just linking up with you guys and chatting football, and I think it's going to be a great discussion today. I've also got Rob Cruz here, a.k.a. FNC Pod, one of my favorite streamers as well. If you don't tune into a war zone, you better start. So, Rob, how are you doing today? I'm good, Kenneth. I appreciate you having me on. Um, I'm excited for the season to start. We talked a little bit before we went live, and I'm, uh, I'm excited to do this. It's going to be fun. Definitely. So we're going to talk about the football team recap from a year ago. We're then going to get into the commander's offseason moves, chat a little bit about that win total line that Vegas has out there, and then maybe talk some fantasy football as well. So let's start with that football team recap from a year ago. A team that went 7-10 and 10 last year. It was their second season under Ron Rivera. They had Taylor Heineke at the helm for most of the year. Uh, they were finished third in the division, but they did win five of their last nine games. So the second half of the season certainly went better than the first half. So Couch, I'll start with you first. What did you make of your team's season last year? Um, last year was kind of one of those seasons where everything that could go wrong went wrong. Obviously, um, you know, this time last year, we would have been talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick leading his offense. But obviously him getting hurt in, that, in the San Diego, well, the Chargers game um, in the second quarter, thrusting in Taylor Heineke to come in. Um, slow start. And like you said, that bad week, we, you know, we were struggling, lost like four straight games going to our bad. Coming off the bad, we won four straight games to be six and six in contention. Obviously, we ran to a bus in Dallas um, in December. And then after that, our COVID quarterback gets COVID. And then when we're in the middle of a playoff push, we insert Garrett Gilbert, who was bathing his child on a Thursday night and got a call to say, hey, be in Ashburn Friday morning at 11 a.m. And from there, it went downhill, and we finished 7-10. and 10. Yeah, and I mean, as you said, the Fitzpatrick injury was huge because I was actually pretty optimistic about Washington last year. I had them winning the division last year because I thought with Fitzpatrick at the helm, a lot of the moves that they made, whether it was bringing in Curtis Samuel or or the emergence of guys like Terry McLaurin, I thought that that was going to be a high-powered offense. And unfortunately, you end up having Taylor Heineke, who he's not a bad quarterback, but he's certainly not a guy that you want leading your team to the playoffs. So, Rob, what was the season like last year for you? It was a roller coaster, honestly. You know, like Coach said, we had uh, high expectations going into this season. Um, Guinea Fitzpatrick, I, as you guys know from the chat, from my you know, various statements on Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm a huge uh, Fitzmagic fan. I still believe he belongs in the Hall of Fame as a contributor. Um, but, you know, getting him with the way the team looked the year before, especially that defense, I thought, you know, Heineke, or I'm sorry, uh, Fitzpatrick was one to maybe three games better than the carousel quarterbacks we had the year before. So I was very optimistic. Um, he went down. I was still somewhat optimistic with Taylor Heineke getting thrown in there just because what we saw from the two games the season before, I think he came in in relief um, for Alex Smith against the Panthers, I believe it was. And then obviously the, the playoff game against Tampa Bay where he, you know, he went toe to toe with Tom Brady. And gave Tom Brady arguably his, you know, the his toughest game of, of his postseason that year. And then the defense just fell apart. You know, we me and coach, we saw from day one 
as soon as we watched that Chargers game, you know, we we talked about how the third down defense, pass defense was going to be a problem. Um, and it continued to be a problem for all 17 games. Um, they couldn't seem to really get get going and they seem to always shoot themselves in the foot. Um, third and one was always third and one, third and two was always statistically better for this team than third and 13, third and 15. Um, we hit that little four game stretch or four game uh, winning streak in the middle where for a time being we were we were the division leaders. I think because we were waiting for Dallas to play later on that night, but there was a few hours on a Sunday where Washington was was the the division leaders. And then yeah, that brick wall we ran into in, in, in Dallas, um, just it kind of just derailed everything. Getting having Taylor Heineke get COVID, and then having who was it? Was it Garrett Gilbert? Yeah, ended up being our quarterback. Yeah. You know, being told you know five hours before the game, getting signed five hours before the game. Um, not really knowing the defense or the offense, I mean the playbook, and going up a, a going up against a pretty good team in, in Philly. Do I think it would have been different with Taylor Heineke playing? Yes, I do, um, because the the team Washington was still in it, you know, for a majority of that game. But just not having a quarterback that doesn't that doesn't know the playbook like that, of course, and doesn't have the chemistry with the the receivers like that, it was um, very hard to watch, and then just completely went downhill. Was able to win, I think, the last game against the Giants, but after that, it was kind of just. I think that's why I was so high on Washington, too. You talked about the defense because I felt like, and you could see it from a fantasy perspective, they were getting drafted as like the second defense last mm-hmm. year. So they thought that that defense was going to be elite, and that was a big reason why I thought they were going to win the division. Um, that obviously didn't end up being the case. Anytime you got a quarterback carousel in the NFL, it's going to be tough to win games. And the fact that they even finished at seven and 10, I think shows that there is still a lot of talent on this team. And if you have the right guy at the helm, then you have an opportunity to win games. So they went out in the off season. Um, Funny story. I am in a dynasty league where I owned three Washington commanders quarterbacks and none of them are named Carson Wentz. And it's very unfortunate because I had Fitzpatrick who retired. I I drafted your rookie in my rookie draft and then got Taylor Heineke there as well. So I have three Washington quarterbacks, none of which are starting because Carson Wentz comes in and he's going to take over that job. And as far as the rest of the offseason went, they brought in Dotson, uh, the Penn State wide receiver. They brought in uh, Fendarius Mathis out of Bama. Um, Shout out to Brian Robinson, unfortunately, the running back there. Um, It's good to hear that he's in stable condition and is going to make a full recovery. Um, Just a very unfortunate situation there. A guy that looked like he was going to be the owner of this backfield due to the the play of Antonio Gibson. So uh, looking at all the moves that were made, especially bringing in Carson Wentz, that's going to be the the key, I think, this year is how's he going to look. He, He disappointed down the stretch in Indy, but he did play well for the most part in the regular season, the other games there. So Rob, I'm going to start with you on this one. What did you make of the Commanders offseason as a whole? Um, it, it was it was okay. It wasn't anything to write home about. The Carson Wentz signing, I wasn't thrilled about it at the time. Um, went back and, and kind of looked at some of his games in Indy, looked at his numbers. I felt a little bit better. Um, and then watched you know his three preseason games and went back to what I was before that. But the, the a few of the positions that we really needed to address we did not address at all even not even in the, in the slightest 
mainly the, the linebacker linebacking core. Our linebacking core is probably the worst in the league. Um, they showed no so no signs of improvement from last year. So I think that was a that was a position that really desperately needed to be addressed. And I'm really curious to know if Ron Rivera even as much as gave a phone call to Bobby Wagner when he got released. You know, I'd understand if Bobby if Wagner didn't want to come to play in Washington. I completely understand that. But at, to at least you know not give him a phone call. You know, kind of kick the tires on that. I'll be very disappointed, very concerning because if I'm I'm no NFL head coach, but we cannot be seeing the same thing, you know, on 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 the field and on tape and he feels good about it. I, I don't understand that. Um overall, a very lackluster offseason. You know, the high, the most the most exciting thing was getting the name. Yeah. So Coach, for you, are, are you in the same boat as far as you, you're a bit disappointed that you didn't address those positions? And, and how do you think Carson's going to look in this in this offense? He's familiar with the division. He was there for a number of years with Philly. But uh, what do you make of your offseason and how Carson's going to fit in? So off he, I'm, I'm with Rob where there was a lot of situations where we could have acquired depth, like especially secondary. I looked at that. Even... I, even though I know people kind of think of the of Adrian uh, Mathis pick would help solidify that defensive line, but I think we still need a little bit more because obviously when you lose guys like Matt Nionitis and Tim Settle, you still need that because obviously when, especially when we were going down the stretch when we were, you know, especially running to that bus, bus saw in the division, those defensive linemen was like dropping left and right, you know. So, you know, just to try to get some depth on that, um, Carson Wentz, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm still on the fence because Carson Wentz kind of reminded me of circa Donovan McNabb 2010 when he came here. Kind of one of those where it's kind of, it's eerily similar, but I, I'm, the, the grade is hard for me because to me, I think, especially to, to absorb his $28 million contract, I thought that, that was kind of the biggest issue for me. But I there is some upside for him because obviously he he will be one of the best quarterback that we've had in quite some time. So even look at his numbers from from 2021, he would be perfect in this situation and he'll have better weapons. So to me, if he can have a clip where he can have 25, I mean 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions, that's perfect for us because at least when we're bad like def- defensively, he can kind of make up those situations because I look at like you know, Telehaneke, he turned the ball over 15 times, 15 times more opportunities for that, for the opposing offense to be on the field and our defense to get gassed. So to me, it's just more so of, hey, if you can just maintain the football, those turnovers, and I think he'll be good for that. And, I, and he has a good supporting cast. So the verdict is still out, but I, like you said, August 31st, I'm positive, but catch me about two months <laughs> and see if I feel the same way. So. <laughs> I mean, if doing these team previews has taught me anything, it's that a lot of people are optimistic about their teams. And, you know, sometimes, you know, shout out to Jelani, he's optimistic about the Falcons. But you don't think that the Falcons are going to win many games. This is a team that's in a different boat where when we're talking about the the over-under win total that Vegas has, seven and a half puts it in that realm of, okay, so they're not that far off from potentially making the playoffs, even making the playoffs for Washington. It's plus 160. And those are better odds than they're giving teams like Carolina, better odds than they're giving teams like New Orleans. So 
there still is optimism there that this Washington team can be better. And while I'll give Stu a hard time about the fact that the Colts lost to Jacksonville and didn't make the playoffs, Wentz still had a, a pretty solid year. It's not like he's coming in and he's an absolute bum. Like he played good football last year. He had a couple bad games. Unfortunately, they came at the wrong time. So I think there's optimism to be had here with this Washington team. Now, the way that Vegas views it is they're the third team in the division. They have Dallas and Philly kind of 1A, 1B, especially after today. There's a big line shift with all the all the moves that the Eagles made. And so they think that it's going to be very tight. And then you got Washington sitting there at plus 500 to win the division. So, Rob, I'll go to you first on this one. What do you think the chances are for a team like Washington we talked before we went live about the fact that that sixth and seventh playoff spot is, is kind of open. So what's your optimism that they could be one of those teams that sneaks in and takes one of those playoff spots? I think it's pretty high. Um, even though I'm not completely sold on Carson Wentz, you know, really leading this team. I think that we can get a couple balls to bounce our way throughout the season. We have a relatively weak um, stand uh, weeks schedule. If you're looking at it from a, 2021-2022 uh, record outlook. We opened up with Jacksonville, Detroit, the two worst teams in the league last year. Uh, we have Chicago in the middle, Indianapolis, which obviously wasn't a playoff. They were on the cusp of a playoff team. Um, Minnesota was not a playoff team. We have Houston, who might be the worst team in the league this year. Atlanta, who's fighting, probably going to be fighting for that number one draft pick as well. And then two straight games against the Giants, which you know, I think Daniel Jones has looked somewhat decent in this preseason, but still is Daniel Jones. Um, you know, we've never seen somebody who's a trip over his own feet the way he does literally and figuratively. So, and then we don't know what's going on with, with Dallas, or I'm sorry, with Cleveland, I mean. Cleveland, they could be, you know, still doing Cleveland things in week 17. You know, Deshaun Washington should be back by then. Um, but we'll have to see what the team looks like as a whole at that point. So, I mean, those are all very winnable games. Should win. Um, just if you're going off of just quarterback play alone, uh, we should win all of, if not most of those games. And then you have games where you could possibly possibly see an upset. Um, you know, wouldn't be surprised if we split with Dallas. You have Tennessee week five, uh, which is one of my circle games for, for personal reasons. Can't wait for that game. <laughs> see what happens with that one. Minnesota, who they're on the cusp of, you know, um, they, they, they could be one of those teams fighting for a final playoff spot, if not fighting for that division. Um, if you really, if you really think about it, uh, we'll have two against Philly, obviously. And then San Francisco in week, uh, week 16, uh, the, on Christmas Eve, which that could depend on who the quarterback is at that point, whether it's Trey Lance, Jimmy G, you don't really know. So there's a good chance. I would say there's a good chance that this team can make the playoffs. I think it's there as well. When I was going through and looking at uh, this schedule, first of all, I think 500 in the division is definitely possible. I think, let's say worst case scenario, you split with the Giants. I don't see any reason why you couldn't also split with Dallas and Philly. Right. You go three and three, you feel fine about it. And then you talk, I, I went through and I, I marked Jacksonville, Detroit, Chicago, Houston, Atlanta as games that if you're going to make the playoffs, I think you have to win four out of those five because that gets you to that seven mark. And then you mentioned the, the two games down the stretch that I kind of have circled is San Fran and Cleveland because you talked about the quarterback situation in San Fran. I think if they want to get into the playoffs, they have to win that game. 
Um, San Fran is one of those teams that's going to be battling it out for a playoff spot with them. And then Cleveland I've circled because Cleveland could be out of it by then. And there's a chance that they just say, you know what? We're not even going to have Deshaun out there. We're just going to, we're going to bring him back next year. We're going to have a fresh start, high draft pick. Let's draft a, a, maybe a skill player for him. And then we'll, we'll bring it back next year. So I like the over at the seven and a half wins. I do think that they're still third in this division, but that being said, <laughs> this division's so weird. We've had a different division winner every year for the last, what feels like 20 years. So coach, I'll go to you next. What do you I've think of the playoff chances years. as well? Um, I'm, I agree with Rob. It's extremely half of me. Um, I look at the games as far obviously Carson's going to have a lot of games going to test his mental fortitude. Obviously, week one, I think it's going to be the first test because obviously Doug Peterson comes to town. Doug knows all his secrets as far as from a you know from a uh, football standpoint. Um, yeah, so that's why I look at it from that standpoint. I think essentially if he passes those tests. Obviously, he has uh, Indianapolis on October 3rd if he goes there. And then two weeks from, from that game, he'll be going to Philly on a Monday night. So um, those are three games I'm looking at as potential tests where if he gets two out of three of those, I'll be really confident going down the final stretch. Um, the beauty thing about our schedule, like you said, I think that that November – I think that's – I want to say that's November the 6th game against Minnesota. So I look at that as a game that I think could potentially – be a game where we might look down the line and Jane on you know the last the first week of January to say hey oh well this this could be for the division I mean that division but for the wild card that final spot and I look at those games as kind of like kind of games that you need to, that we need to look out for and then I think the beauty thing even though I know me I think Rob kind of talked me into this as well where I think there is a beauty in having a, a week 14 bye week where if because we know that at that point, guys will be banged up. And then I love how we got the giant sandwich in between our bad weeks. So it's kind of one of those things where that could bode well for us, where, hey, we don't necessarily have to really go hard when it comes to um, prep-wise, because we've already noticed, we've known this team, this has been our opponent the, the last week. So it's really, you know, going into that. So I'm going to definitely see how they – adjust to that but like you said i think week 14 might be a good thing because this team is going to be banged up and you know and hopefully you know that'd be a great time for them to kind of if we're somewhat kind of backsliding in that might give us an opportunity for this final stretch almost all our like kind of how we were um last year where we were kind of you know we need a bad week and i think week 14 is going to be a time where we're going to be like Phew, we really need a bad so and I think they could be well rested and be ready for this playoff push um, the final five weeks of the season. That's why I like the bye week for you guys as well, because it's kind of that reset of like, look, if we're still in playoff contention at that point, then we can have a full reset. Everyone get rested up and let's go out and let's finish, whether it's winning four out of the last five or whatever it's going to take in order to get in. Like, let's go and and make the playoffs here. And you can also make the decision of, well, if for whatever reason we're not in the playoff hunt at that point, well then, you know, let, let's just go out and, and evaluate the last little bit and evaluate who's going to be here next year. So I do have high hopes for Washington as far as making the playoffs goes. Um, I do actually think that the best bet that I found for this team was you can get at plus 190 for them to finish third. 
because I, I think unless barring injury, I think you could have three playoff teams in this division, even with Washington finishing third. And the fact that if they just miss out and they're third place, that then you can make some money there. So I do like them at plus 190 there. But fantasy-wise, this is a team that there's a few options out there that you could definitely go. Um, I don't know if quarterback is necessarily the route that I want to go. Just I don't have a lot of optimism when you're behind Jared Goff and Marcus Mariota. Because that's currently where they have Wentz. Now, I would say that I think Wentz is going to have a better year than both of those guys. I don't know why they have him ranked so lowly, especially when we're talking about, well, Goff's limited on weapons. <laughs> Mariota might get replaced this year. Wentz is like pretty clearly the number one for them going forward. And he's got a guy like Terry McLaurin as his number one. So I have a bit more optimism that he's going to finish higher than those guys. Couch, I'll start with you. What do you think of Wentz from a fantasy perspective? Car Squish, so this is one of those things where you take my advice with a grain of salt. It, I don't want you to be somebody, I don't want a fantasy owner that's going to be in Hoboken, New Jersey, <laughs> at a pancake house for 25 hours because he lost. So <laughs> let's just preface that way. Carson Wentz, I think about like this. You go to a retailer and they got a bin full of $5 DVDs. Carson Wentz is a guy that, I wouldn't want him to be your starter, but if you if your starter's on a bad week and he has a favorite matchup, you start him. He's a guy that you can you can have him tucked away. He that he's in that five dollar DVD category. He may not be an Oscar nominated movie, but he's a good movie. It, it may be a rom com if you need it. <laughs> but he's a guy in that in that bin. You you get him and you just. Just don't tell nobody, but then when it's time for your for your QB1 to be on a bad week, you insert Carson Wentz. Yeah, he, he is like, if you have Mahomes, it's like going to the movie theater. And, and if you've got Wentz, then it is that $5 bin. But that $5 bin can give you a gem. It can give you a gem of a movie where you're like, man, like that's a great movie. Like we had a good time. Like, But it could also be that movie where you're you're 10 minutes in and you're like, what the hell are we watching right now? So I get, I love the analogy. I think it's the perfect way of describing Wentz from a fantasy perspective. Rob, I'll go to you next. What do you think of Carson's uh, fantasy value here? You know, that $5 bin, they have movies that used the were Academy Award winners at one point. You know, should they have been? Probably not, but they were. They MVP candidate at one point, Carson. At one point they were. And there's a reason for that. Um but yeah, coach hit it. Hit, he hit it on the head. Um, he, if your starting quarterback has has the bye week, and and they're going up against a, a very poor defense, you know, someone like like Houston, um, then yeah, throw him in there. He, he should do you fine. He's not going to put up Patrick Mahomes numbers, obviously, but you know, he he might be 25, 30 points. You know, somewhere in that range, very decent. Um, can get you get you a little bit to to hopefully win that game. Um is he QB1? No. Is he QB2? Probably not. Would I draft him? Maybe in the late rounds if he's available. Might draft him mid rounds just because he's my quarterback. Um and I always have to have faith in my team. But I think overall there's a lot of better options, more solidified options. Now is this 2017 Carson ones? No, obviously not. Can he be? He can be. You know, there's the best uh, group of weapons he's ever had in his entire career. You look at all his years in Philly, 
it was nothing but him and the tight end, Zach Ertz. That was his favorite target. Yeah. The the one year they won the division, I think he had who are our 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 Sega Whitesides was the leading receiver. Um yeah. Jalen Rager is not, you know, who they thought he was gonna be. And even in Indianapolis, his better best receiver is Michael Pittman Jr. Nothing against Pittman Jr. I'm a huge USC guy. So, but he's not he's not Tyron McClellan. Oh, and Pittman Jr., his dad went to Fresno State where I'm from. So, you know, I I I ride with the Pittman family till the day I die, but you know, he's not Terry McLaren. Yeah. Now that the event has the full a full arsenal at his disposal, you know, there there is potential that he could be one of the top, you know, fantasy quarterbacks if he just, you know, can kind of learn the offense a little bit more, which I'm sure he he will. But there there's potential. Yeah. There's definitely potential there. You're hoping that you get late nineties Adam Sandler and not Jack and Jill Adam Sandler. Yes. <laughs> Is essentially what you're looking for out of Carson, exactly. because the potential's there. We saw it, but but we just hope that, and the schedule's there. I mean, when we're talking about Jacksonville, Detroit, Atlanta, Houston, there's games out there where he's going to have favorable matchups that you can definitely take advantage of. Now, running back wise, you guys have Antonio Gibson. His value right now, they have him going in the mid fifth round range on Sleep Wrap, where where I do all of my drafting. Um, so he's kind of behind Josh Jacobs, Brees Hall range. He's ahead of JK Dobbins and Elijah Mitchell feels about right for how Gibson's looked in preseason. Um, hasn't had the best preseason. As I said previously, it looked like Robinson might be taking the job from him. And then obviously the, the incident happened there. So Rob, I'll start with you. What do you think of Gibson's fantasy value? I think he'd be a good flex player in, in a couple different matchups. Uh, Ryan Robinson will pretty much is solidified as the the as RB one once he's able to come back. Um, which thankfully his uh, the gunshot wounds weren't life threatening. He's already been released from the hospital. He's back at the facility today. Um, so hopefully it won't be too much longer until he's he's back out on on the field. Um, but yeah, even even if he's not Antonio Gibson, I don't think they have the faith in him that they did last year. Um, he he. Fumbles in key situations. Um, preseason, he 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 fumbled on a drive against the Panthers, which we were driving down the field on our way to possibly scoring at least a field goal. The offense was looking really good that drive. You know, coughed it up in a key situation. And I remember last year, uh, the game against Dallas, the first game against Dallas, we were mounting a comeback after Cole Holcomb and got a pick six against Dak. I think I don't remember how much we we're down by, but it, it ended up being a close game and. And Tony Gibson coughed it up, and and that was kind of the end of, of that uh, rally right there. But fifth round seems decent again. He he's going to be a good flex player for some situation. He's going to cost you a couple points because he will fumble a time or two. But I think you know it he won't be a net negative. Yeah, I feel okay with Gibson if he's my flex guy. Just like you said, if I punted running back down the road and I'm looking for the second running back to start every week. I get a little bit hesitant just because of the fumbling issues. And in case he does end up getting replaced there, as you said, Robinson be in the facility today. So couch, what about you? What do you think about Gibson from a fantasy perspective? Like Rob said, uh, it'd be a flex. He's a guy where, and, and the biggest question mark is his confidence. 
because obviously, um, you know, Rob talked about the two games and then also dated back a little bit further in this um, Chargers game where there was a situation where he fumbled pretty much in Chargers' red zone and pretty much that propelled them essentially to win that win that game. So you look at those type of situations where, granted, if you look at it from a standpoint of he, he's only had like maybe like seven career fumbles, but they're big fumbles, and it's one of one things where his confidence level. He has an opportunity, especially now, you know, with everything that's happened. But I think he'll have opportunities to, to touch the touch the ball and and gain that that confidence back. But like you said, he'll be a guy like you you can flex out. Um, I wouldn't necessarily put all my eggs in his, in the Antonio Gibson basket. Um, but drop a few. Don't drop the whole. Don't drop the whole crate. Yeah. Now from the wide receiver spot, you've got Terry McLaurin. He's going early fourth round, late third round. He's in the Michael Pittman range, the T Higgins range and the Deontay Johnson range. I love Terry from a fantasy perspective. I like to see him with a, an upgrade at QB. Um, as much as we craft on Carson Wentz as the $5 bin, he still is an upgrade from a Taylor Heineke where that was a straight to DVD perhaps type movie. So Let's talk about Terry from the fantasy perspective. Couch, I'm going to start with you. What do you think of Terry's value? And is there any other receivers in this offense that you would feel comfortable having, whether it be a flex play, bench guy, wherever they end up falling on your roster? So Terry, you buy. Um, He's the impulse buy at the checkout counter. (laughs) Um, He's a guy where it's almost like death taxes, and he's going to have at least 1,000 yards of receiving. Uh, because you think about it, even if you look at the standpoint of how he's he's been a thousand yard receiver the last two years, and he's been through a bevy of quarterbacks. So just imagine if we it, how it's constructed now, where you have a healthy um, Carson Wentz, you and potentially have a guy. If we go based on twenty twenty one, he played all the entire year. So that's another thing where he's he's impulse by by him. Um, other wide receivers that you want also want to look at. Obviously, Jahan Dodson. I think he's another guy in that in that second slot where I think he's going to definitely command um, some looks as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so yeah, he'll that um, another guy. Even I, and the only thing, the caveat with I, I look at Curtis Samuel. He's a guy. He's a waiver guy. He's a guy. Yeah. If you. <sighs> If you if you're strapped to the point where it's like my court my wide receivers are like kind of out or a flex option is out or whatever you get him because he's in that slot he's my only thing is because we really haven't seen much of him especially in in Washington so it's kind of he has an incomplete grade but he has upside which is yeah. like but like you said I don't want you to be you know covered down pancakes at a diner for 24 hours because you lost because of what I said, but waiver wire at best for, for, um, for Curtis Samuel. Samuel is a guy that I'm going to look, he's kind of like in that Marvin Jones range of fantasy where you look at him on the waiver wire and you're like, man, this guy could have two catches for 15 yards or he could explode and have that week. That's, you know, two TDs, 130 yards. And you're kicking yourself that you didn't pick him up. Then Part of it is the name as well, right? Because you think of Curtis Samuel, his years in, in Carolina, and then last year he he dealt with some issues in Washington. But 
now that he's a part of this offense, could be the number two, could be the number three. Um, I think he's a guy that you're going to look at on waivers and really ponder whether or not you're going to you're going to take the plunge and hope that he has that week. Rob, what about for you? Is it Terry and Dotson, or is there anybody else that that you're thinking of? Um, I actually so to continue with the analogies, Terry is the guy you buy on Amazon early release access. That's the one you get <laughs> while it's still in theaters. You don't pass that up. You don't even think about it. you pay the the twenty nine ninety nine for the early access. Um, I wouldn't say Jahan Dots. I know we're talking specifically receivers, but I'm gonna go more the pass catcher route. Yeah. Any Washington tight end because we know as I talked about it earlier, um, Carson Wentz relationships relationships with tight ends, and those was, those have always been his his favorite targets. And even this preseason, with the limited time he's had on the field. He's hit a lot of tight ends, a lot of the opportunities. Logan Thomas just came back. Um, he's now active. He's now practicing. So I would say probably Logan Thomas and Terry McLaurin, if you're from a pass catching perspective, those would be your two best options. I agree on the Logan Thomas point, and I agree with it so much that actually as we're recording right now, I just dropped Corey Davis to pick up Logan Thomas because I kind of forgot about him in the off the ball network league. So we could come back to this as Kenneth picked up a league winner live during the pod, but I loved his value despite the injury that he's dealt with. I thought that he was, he was one of my tight end sleepers last year. I thought that, that he had a ton of value. So I do agree from the Logan Thomas perspective. So I think that there's plenty of options in this offense that you can go with. Terry is definitely the, the primo of this, of this group, but there is some value there, whether it's Dotson, maybe Gibson doesn't have the fumble issues. Maybe Logan Thomas is that late round tight end that that wins a league for you. But overall, really looking forward to NFL starting it. And I cannot thank you guys enough for coming on tonight and talking about your Washington Commanders now. I don't think I screwed it up at any point. I think I got the football team for last year and Commanders for this year. So uh, Couch Coach, I'm going to go to you first. Promote your work and and tell me what a successful season for you for this Commanders team would be. Yeah, so um, personal page, um, Couch Coach Live, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, also Commanders in the chat, um, anywhere, Commanders ITC. Um, my season, 10 and 7, a week 18 Sunday night football victory over the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Jerkinson night would be the icing on a delicious, beautiful cake for this Washington Commanders team, if, if, if I do say myself. <laughs> Well, now I have to go and cut out your promotion. Anyways, I'm going to head over to Rob to promote his work and what would be a successful season for your commander's team. Y'all already know, um, know where you can find me, FNC Pod on Twitter, Football and Show Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. I think for me, the ceiling it could be 11 and 6. I mean, that's a kind of an overachieving season. But uh, again, if things fall a certain way, I think 11 and 6 is the ceiling. Um, that, I, in my opinion, making the playoffs would be a successful season. I think Ron Rivera is probably on the hot seat. Um, anything less than uh, eight and nine, it probably gets him fired. Um, but I think just making the playoffs and, and that defense looking, the defense not being in the bottom third. Don't want defense in the bottom third would be a successful season to me. I'm in the same boat where I think successful season is making the playoffs. Once you get a ticket to the dance, anything can happen. But 
when I look at this team, I look at the schedule, the improvements at QB, the fact that they won seven games last year without a real true quarterback. I think nine wins is, is completely realistic for this group. If you exceed that and you get to 10, then obviously you're going to be in the playoffs. But I think that's kind of where Washington needs to be thinking. I do agree on the Ron Rivera point. I think I actually think if they just don't make the playoffs, then they're going to move on because they made enough moves now where they should be at a point where playoffs should be doable, especially in the NFC, where once you get past those first few teams, that then it's pretty wide open after that. So appreciate you guys coming on the show. Go check out Commanders in the chat as well. I uh, really love their podcast over there. I don't listen because they're a Washington team, and you know that just goes against everything that I stand for. But I definitely gave them a five-star review, and you should too. And so appreciate you guys for for coming on tonight, and we'll see you guys tomorrow for our final NFL team preview being the Pittsburgh Steelers.